This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. How are you doing? Did you guys notice that we had an extra Wednesday in August? And so there was like an extra break in between podcast episodes. And it I don't know about you guys, but it felt a little weird for me because I'm so used to being on this cadence of every other week and I had an extra week in between podcast episodes. But in that time, God did some great stuff. So I'm really excited to share those stories with you. And in fact, I'll kind of kick it off with one of those stories. So in the middle of my last podcast episode, and this has happened a few times, my computer just kaplunked, like just shut down, black screen shut down. And so I was like, okay, hold that thought and rebooted it. And I realized that I was getting to the point where I was going to need a new computer And I'm trying to get it to the place in my life where I actually like take the Bible at its word, you know, silly, silly Christians, us actually believing, (laughs) believing what God said. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about these things, pray about them. And the Bible talks a lot about this, praying about everything. And so, you know, I just knew that the Lord told me, I want you to pray about this. I want you to pray about the situation with the computer. And so that's what I did. I just started praying about it. And a couple of weeks ago, one of my friends just mentioned to me, I bought my dad this computer and he didn't like it. It's a great computer, but it's just sitting here collecting dust at my house. And I was like, I actually need a new computer. How much do you want for it? And he goes, "Ah, I'll sell it to you for 500 bucks. So that he kind of messaged me. He shot me a message on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, I was driving in the car with my husband and I got a notification that somebody had gone on the website and had randomly donated $500 and it was the exact amount for the computer. And it was the exact same day that my friend had messaged me about the computer. So needless to say, God answered that prayer. So I just want to say thank you to the sister who donated to the computer because everybody who's listening to this right now, you guys are a benefactor of this, this young woman being kind enough to donate to buy a brand new computer. So I'm actually recording this on the brand new computer. I spent the past hour getting everything set up, uh, downloading all the software, getting everything good to go. So hopefully we'll be technical glitch free, but I just want to first of all say thank you to that sister and just thank you Lord for answering that prayer and how you allow the body of Christ to work together. And I just, it reminds me so much of that story of the fish and loaves, you know, God didn't need those fish and loaves to feed the 5,000. But he took what that little boy offered and he fed the 5,000. And then again, he fed the 4,000. So we're so blessed that God just takes the the little bit that we offer and he multiplies it. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And it's, it's such a great kingdom to be a part of. That God is so generous. He's so generous that he takes our, our little bit and he multiplies it. And so I know that God is going to do great things with this tool and with that gift that and a wonderful sister donated to this. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being a part of that. And just praise the Lord. It's so great when he does these these little, I, I mean, I just, I started laughing. I just, it was like, a, it was not, a, it was just a joyful laugh. And my husband's like, what's wrong with you? Because we were in the car driving and I was like, you're not going to believe this. So it was, it was really just an awesome 
an awesome testimony and an awesome way that the Lord answered that prayer. So I just wanted to, to shout that out. So a couple of things before we jump into today's episode. Um, if you guys have not been on the website lately, Lena has been busy making great new designs. There's some cool t-shirts and water bottles. But one of the things that we're running for a limited time, if you are not yet on Telegram. So let me talk about Telegram for just a second and why, why we use this app. I'm not a big fan of social media. To be honest with you, I would have no social media presence if I had my druthers. But I realize that it is a way that a lot of people still go on and find stuff. That's why I still make TikTok videos. And that's why I still have an Instagram account or Facebook. To be quite frank, I want nothing to do with any of these platforms, but the Lord still, I mean, we can still take things that the enemy means for evil and God can turn them into good. And so I, you know, I still have them, but the part of the reason why I don't like to use them is they're shadow banning Christians. I mean, these are platforms who are working very hard to shut down the gospel message and to hide the truth. And as more and more stuff comes out about COVID and this, you know, the way that they tag misinformation on stuff, it's just they're not working for us. Let me put it that way. Why I use Telegram is because it's not social media. It's a messaging app. And when I post it in there, you see 100% you don't, of my stuff. You don't have to scroll through. I'm not a I don't post a bunch of stuff. I sometimes post like little, I'll just get on and share if the Holy Spirit moves something in my heart. I sometimes I post pictures that are just really amazing because I'm a person who spends a lot of time outside. And so I just see God's hand everywhere. And, and if I have this, like the other night, I was sitting down watching something. I don't watch a lot of TV, to be honest with you. I force myself to watch TV because it's the only time I sit still. <laughs> I don't really care for it, though. I'm always like, I spend the first 20 minutes like, oh, what am I going to watch? Because I really don't like, I really don't care for TV. I'm always like, what documentary can I watch or what gardening show can I learn how to like kill the weeds in my garden? I'd like educational television, I guess is, is what I'm saying. And I was sitting there trying to find something to watch, and the Lord just said, go outside. And so I went and sat outside, and it was the most amazing sunset I think I've ever experienced. Because my, the sun actually set, so my deck faces south, and which is perfect because the sunrise is on the east. And in the morning, it, it's the way I face. I face east towards the sunrise when I'm reading my Bible. But we have a tree line behind us to the west, and so I rarely get to see a full sunset. But the way that this clouds were structured that night is that they happened to be taking up the whole sky. And so this, this, the light was reflecting from the sunset, filled the sky like this fire color, and there was lightning going across the sky. So I stuck my phone on the deck and I just hit time lapse. And then I sat there and I took it all in. It was magnificent. So when something like that occurs, I put it on the Telegram channel. But there's a couple things that we do on the Telegram channel. First of all, we do a weekly Bible verse because people are constantly saying to me, how can I memorize more scripture? How can I memorize more scripture? So what Lena does is she creates a wallpaper that you can save to your phone. And every Monday I post a new scripture up there and we go through a book of the Bible. So we just finished the book of Philippians and I kind of pull out the high level verses for us to memorize and just become familiar with the theme of that book and to memorize scripture by having it on your phone. And that is something I post for free on Telegram. There's no cost to be on the app. Every morning, Monday through Saturday, I post a scripture, and it's usually just a scripture that God spoke to me out of my time reading in the Word of God, and I just want to encourage you. And the other thing that I post is a devotional Monday through Friday for my friend Frank. So Frank is a gentleman that I met actually through TikTok, so as much as I, as much as I narc on it, the Lord has actually done some good things, uh, or excuse me, as much as I knock on TikTok, excuse my prior, <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> 
<laughs> Goodness grief. Sometimes things come out of my mouth and I go, who was that? And what did she just say? <laughs> as much as I knock on TikTok, oh my gosh. Uh, it, as much as I knock on TikTok, I have made a few friends and Frank is one of them. He is a, he is a gentleman who lives up in Georgia. So he lives a few hours from me. I've never met him in person, but he sends out a devotional every morning that he writes that morning. And Frank is going through some really, really, really difficult cancer. He's gone through many treatments. He's in a lot of pain. So as his devotions are really raw, it only takes a few minutes to read them. They're like three, four paragraphs at most. They're very short, very quick to read, very uplifting. And I say all this to say that Lena, he closes each one of his devotions with be nice, grace wins. Lena made this beautiful design t-shirt so we could just show, so, show some love and support for Frank and everything that he's going through. And we have made that be nice grace wins t-shirt available on our website for a short period of time and we're going to take all the proceeds and donate them to whichever ministry or 501c3 nonprofit that frank chooses so he's been in cancer for so long and treatment he, that i'm sure he'll have a great a great organization he'll want us to donate that money to even if it's his church, I'm happy to do that. So if you guys want to get one of those, we're only going to keep it up on the website for a couple of weeks. It's on the made to conquer podcast.com merchandise. And just kind of going through, I want to make sure I don't forget anything. Oh, yeah. One other quick thing. This month's butterfly box, just through September 20th, there is a really, this is a really cool butterfly box. Again, I, I am friends with the owner. Her, she's become one of my girlfriends. I, she's somebody that I genuinely have grown to love and what she is trying so hard to do is to create this this monthly box that gets you into god's word so each month while there are some fun fun goodies it's really focused around god's word and in learning and growing in your faith this month's box is really phenomenal because it comes with a inductive bible study guide and it's this cool notebook that teaches you how to do bible study and different study techniques and tips it is a cool tool and it comes with highlighters i've had a blast since i got this box so you get 20 percent off of your first box if you get a monthly subscription and they now have a gift package that comes along with any subscription six months or longer that is included with your subscription so if you go on the website butterfly box or your butterflybox.com you can also just go to my website made to conquer podcast I have a couple links on there. Use the code Tiana20. You'll get 20% off and you can get a really cool Bible study tool for this month. It is really quite awesome. So I, I just wanted to point that out. And then there was goodness grief, my little brain. I ha you would think that I would have all this written down and I, cause I tell myself every time I'm not going to forget anything. So I don't need to write it down. I have all my notes written down, but my announcements, no, of course not. <laughs> um, there was one other thing. It'll, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. So over the past two weeks, I took this opportunity to really dig into God's word. And one of the questions I'm asked a lot, and this is a question that comes through TikTok a good bit, is what Bible study tool can you recommend? So apart from the inductive Bible study tool that I just mentioned that comes in the butterfly box, I've had a friend who's told me for months now, you need to get Chuck Missler's Lynn's Bible in 24 hours. Now, I grew up on Chuck Missler because that's who my dad grew up listening to. If you've never listened to Chuck Missler, he's quite an interesting gentleman. He's now with the Lord. He's he's out of here. He's celebrating. He's living the good life now. He But he did leave us a tremendous amount of wisdom before he went home to be with the Father. And he has this amazing Bible study called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. I got the audio version, and then I went online and spent a few bucks to download the notes that come with it. I think you can find some of his stuff on YouTube. But I bought the audio book, and it's great. I'm at hour, 
I'm like at hour 20 of 24. I'm almost done with it. And it has been phenomenal. So it is a great, he does a great job going through and explaining so much. What's cool about Chuck Missler too, is that he was a, he was a scientist. So he really approaches the whole topic from a very different perspective. So, I mean, he gets into God's word. This man knows God's word and you're going to just walk away so blessed and learning so much. One of the things that I learned that I was like almost embarrassed that I had never put together did you guys realize, and I'm embarrassed saying this, but here I am. Did you guys realize that Jesus was crucified on the exact same spot that Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him? And Chuck goes through and breaks this down. Like where God told Abraham to go and where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac was eventually where Jesus was crucified. I mean, the the, the symbolism and, the, and just the parallel stuff is just phenomenal. Chuck also corrected something that I have misspoken about on this podcast, so I guess I should take the time to correct this. I am not above error or above reproach. If anything, I hope that this podcast inspires you to spend more time searching these things out in God's word. Chuck says that frequently. Don't take my word for it. Search, search God's word for yourself. That is my heart as well. I am not infallible. I have certainly said things that if I went back, I'd go, ooh, I did not say that correctly. I catch mistakes I make all the time. I, in the last episode, which was an almost two-hour episode, I referred to the parable of the ten virgins as the parable of the twelve virgins. So I am completely and totally human, and I make human mistakes. But one of the mistakes that Chuck points out is that a lot of people misunderstand after Solomon died when the kingdom split into two, the ten and two tribes, and I've talked about that a lot. You had the ten tribes of Israel and the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. He said, while that was the land distribution, if you read through the different stories, you'll see that some of the tribes left Israel and moved down into Judah. So it wasn't a complete ten-two split when you look at it from which tribes ended up living in those areas. So Levi did come back to Judah. And so so when you have the story of the exile going to Judah, you'll know notice that when they come back, all 12 tribes come back. And that is because some people from all of the tribes ended up living in Judah and went off into exile, which is like how I did not connect those dots. But he said it's a common misunderstanding. And since he taught me that, and I realized one of the things that I've said wrong on this podcast, I figured it would be only fair to share that with you. But there's so much stuff that Chuck covers, and he talks so much about the science, and he talks so much about how there is no explanation for some of the things in the Bible, except for the fact that they are supernatural and outside of outside of this realm. In other words, God wrote the Bible. And when you see some of these things that Chuck points out, it's just mind-blowing how unbelievable it is. And so I highly, highly recommend that you get Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. If you're like me and you like audiobook, download it on audiobook. Listen to it. If you listen to an hour a day, which is half of your drive to work, half of your drive back or whatever it is while you're doing the dishes, while you're going for a walk. I pop my audio in and I can fold laundry like nobody's business with my audio book in. Uh, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I'm obviously very sensitive to family time. So I'm not closing my family out when I do that. But you can go through this whole thing in 24 days. I have managed to listen to 20 hours in one one week. Yeah. So I, so I got it a week ago on Saturday. So a week in, in two days. And um, that's just because I'm just like nonstop. I would go on a hike, put my headphones in and go get lost in the woods for several hours. I learn better when I'm walking and listening on book on tape. So it has been phenomenal. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Chuck Missler, and that's M-I-S-S-L-E-R, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. I will put a link to this in the show notes as well. Okay, so today's topic. Wow. I, <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. This has probably been the hardest one for me to put together only because 
I have really struggled to figure out like, Lord, what do you really want to talk about today? Because usually he just says to me, what am I teaching you? And um, when you consider the fact that in the last 24 hours, or excuse me, in the last week, I've listened to almost to, to 20 hours of Chuck Missler's teaching, <laughs> I feel like I'm swimming in a sea of information. But one of the things that just that just keeps coming through in this teaching that I've been listening to from Chuck Missler, it, it was really interesting to me because so much of what he said is what the Lord has been doing in my life. And it's been so exciting for me to see, oh my gosh, like the things that are happening to me parallel other godly people who have been walking with the Lord. And even Chuck was like talking about his devotional time. And he's like, this is how I spend my devotional time when I read the Bible, not for study purposes, but for devotion. And it was literally almost exactly the same reading plan that I do. I don't talk about that on here, not because I am trying to hide anything, but because I want you to find your own relationship with the Lord and learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit and learn how to be led by him and create your, your own reading plan. But when Chuck literally almost verbatim talked about what I have, like how the Holy Spirit has led me to spend my time reading the Bible in the morning, I about fell over. I was like, oh my gosh. And so for me, it's just been exciting to see that I know this is not me. This is 100% God working in my life because I know who I am. <laughs> I know where I was a few years ago before the Lord started taking me on this journey. And I can see the fruit of him in my life life. And so what I wanted to, you know, what I really felt like the thing to talk about today, and I hate to use the term feel because um, it's not that it's, it's how I, how I saw the scripture kind of coalesce before me as I was preparing about this or preparing this and preparing and praying about this is just to stop in and let's, let's talk about what it actually means to be born again. And I want to share the gospel in this episode. And the reason that I think that that is important is first of all, if you, if somebody came up to you today and we are told to be able to, Peter tells us, be, be ready in season and out of season to give it, you know, give an account for your faith. If somebody asks you today, what, what is the gospel? Could you articulate the gospel to them? Could you tell somebody the gospel? And I think that we can't tell the gospel until we understand the gospel for ourselves. And I think sometimes as I look back at my journey as, uh, you know, growing up in the church, walking away from the Lord, coming back and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to come back, but this time it's going to be real. And I don't want anything. I don't want fakeianity. I don't want religionity. I don't want churchianity. I want biblical Christianity. What does that actually look like? As I've gone on this journey and I've heard Chuck Missler reiterate so much of what the Holy Spirit has taught me through my time in the word and time listening to Bible teachers, I just thought this, this would be a good time for us to just check in and say, what is the gospel message? Is that real and alive in my life? And then how do I share that with other people? Because one of the things that is becoming so evident as things progress down the timeline and, and as I learn more and more about eschatology, which is end time study, is that our time here as the church is short. Now, everybody, I, I get the criticism all the time. Tiana, we've heard this for a long time, but I, I got to tell you guys that Ezekiel 36 being fulfilled, the Jews being back in Israel, speaking Hebrew again for the first time, what Chuck Missler explains that I've learned over this Bible study is that part of the reason that the, the, if you go through the history of the Bible, and I've talked about this a little bit, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and Aramaic is actually 
a few chapters in Daniel, and again, what I've learned from Chuck Missler is that those few chapters in Daniel that are written in Aramaic actually talk about the Gentile world. And so it's not by coincidence that a Gentile language is used to talk about the Gentile world. And he breaks down the chapters in Daniel that are written in Aramaic. And when you read those chapters, they're about the Gentile world. <laughs> and so it's, I think it's Daniel chapter two through Daniel chapter seven, and then it goes back into, and I forget exactly, maybe it's four to 11 uh but but when it's talking to the hebrew people it's in hebrew when it's talking to the gentiles it's in aramaic and then the bible was then translated into greek and chuck missler goes through and explains why that is so profound and what you know how incredible the greek language is that's the septuagint and then eventually we had the new testament added onto it and then we have kind of the history of the english bible from there and i've, I've talked about that a little bit in some of my other podcasts but i thought to myself as i was kind of you know, thinking through all of this, it's really important for all of us to check in and make sure we're on the right path. We're headed in the right direction, that we're doing what we need to be doing in these times, because as we see these miraculous things occurring, as we see the fact that the Hebrew people, sorry, that's where I was going with that. I kind of got sidetracked a little bit there. But, you know, the Hebrew people stopped speaking Hebrew for a long time. When the part of the reason that Daniel wrote the Bible in Aramaic is because at that point they were taken into Babylon captivity, which was the, the language of the time. And so Hebrew was not commonly spoken. And Chuck Missler breaks this out for us. And again, this was something that I learned so much. I've learned so much listening to this Bible study from his. So there was a long gap where Hebrew was not the common language of the Jewish people. Today it is. Hebrew is the common language spoken again. And so Chuck goes through and breaks down all of these things that are so prophetic that have happened. The fact that Israel is a nation again, the, back, the fact that they're back in their country, the fact that they're speaking Hebrew again, the fact that we're seeing mass migration to to Israel, the fact that we are seeing major energy issues about to happen in Europe. It's already happening. If you're paying any attention, what you'll see is that because the Russian gas has now been completely cut off, Europe's energy costs have skyrocketed. I mean, we are, we are beginning to see the things that the Bible prophesied, the World Economic Forum, putting together the one world government, all of these things. And so as Christians... This is the time for us to be on our knees, praying, engaging, not not complacent, not just kind of sitting on the sideline, waiting things out. We should be like Daniel in these times where Daniel, when he realizes that the 70 years are up, when he studied and said, hey, it's time for us to get back in the land, Daniel got on his knees and he started praying and he started engaging. And it's in Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel is fasting and praying for his people, engaging and getting prepared for what is going to happen, that Gabriel comes down and gives him the rest of the end time prophecy. And so this is how we should be. And I've talked about this many times on this podcast. This is nothing new. This is how we should be. We should be so completely and totally a part of God's kingdom, filtering everything through God's kingdom, understanding what it really means to be born again, that everything in our lives is led by the fact that we're Christians. This is not a Sunday thing. This is not a Wednesday thing. This is not a casual thing. This is not a part of our lives. This is the core of our lives and everything in our life flows from it. So I just wanted to take this time on this podcast episode to just talk about what it means to be born again. And so we can all just check in and say, am I born again? Am I living my life by the Spirit? Am I following Jesus? Am I who I think I am? Is my life what God has called it to be, called me to be, and called it to be? And and do I understand this? Can I articulate the gospel message to somebody? So I want to make it simple. I want to talk about what the Bible talks about simply what the gospel is. Obviously, we're going to 
go a little bit deeper into some of this, you know, the Romans road, we're going to talk at a high level about the Romans road and, and understand what the gospel message is and what it really means to be born again at a high level in hopes that a, first of all, you walk away going, heck yeah, yes, I am born again. I'm filled with God's spirit. I am a Christian. I'm living my life the way that I should be. And I am like Daniel. I am on my knees. I'm praying for this culture. I am engaging. I'm not backing down. I'm looking forward to the return of Christ. I'm excited. And I understand the season that we are in. And, and I now know how to share the gospel and I can easily given any opportunity, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what I hope we walk away from this. And if you are not a Christian and you're curious, like what is the gospel? What is this crazy stuff that Christians talk about? Because here's the reality because of churchianity, because of fakeianity, because of religianity, a, a lot of people don't understand what the gospel is. A lot of people think that they're rejecting Jesus. It was funny because I was having a conversation with somebody who is a self-proclaimed agnostic. And I asked them the question that is an apologetics question. And this I get from Frank Turek. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And the question is, if Christianity were true, in other words, you could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is 100% true, which by the way, we can, but anyway, that's a side note. If Christianity were true, would you be a Christian? And this person looked at me, and, and the reason that you ask this question is this teases out, is it a knowledge issue or a heart issue that's preventing them from coming to the Lord? Because a lot of people, they struggle with Christianity because they don't understand how unbelievably powerful God's word is, how true it is, and how it has been proven over and over again, science, archaeology, all of these things. But the other, so you've got this knowledge gap where we as Christians should be able to come in and say, let me explain to you how unbelievably true Christianity is. But then you have the heart issue. And the heart issue is, is something that we can only speak to at a high level, but the Holy Spirit has to do a work in their lives. And so when you ask that question, if Christianity were true, would you be a Christian? You're getting to what is the real reason they're not a Christian? Is it a knowledge issue or is it a heart issue? So when I asked this person the question, they answered me and said, no. So when they say no, you automatically know it's a heart issue because you're saying if Christianity is true, if I can prove to you the truth of Christianity, would you be, would you be a Christian? And this person said, no. And I said, okay, why not? And they said, because of all of the horrible things that have been done in the name of Christianity. And I said, okay, so let me get this straight. <laughs> Satan, who is God's enemy, not his equal, his enemy, there's a difference. He was created by God. So he's a created being in, in, so he is not anywhere near, does not hold anywhere near the power that God does. So Satan has done a lot of awful things in the name of Jesus. And because of that, you would rather stay in Satan's kingdom than come over to the kingdom of truth and light. So, so you're going to blame God for the things that Satan has done in his name. And you'd rather stay on Satan's team. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and that person just kind of stomped away. They were not very happy with my reaction to that because they can't even accept the premise that the horrible things that have been done in Christianity are from the enemy. And so there are a lot of misunderstandings about what Christianity is and what Christianity means. And that's what we're going to dive into in today's topic. So, wow, that was a long intro, guys. So let's stop and pray. Let's ask the Lord to lead this conversation, open our minds and hearts, and let's dig into God's word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. <laughs> God, if we, could, if we could go through the things that you have just been abundantly generous on, we'd be here all night. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you have slowly allowed us to understand how good you are. Lord, we still don't have a clue. <laughs> we don't, we, we, you hold everything together. You put breath in our lungs and you cause the sun to shine. And things that we just take for granted, Father, are all just a, a they're just a display of your grace and mercy and your goodness over our lives. Mother, I just ask that you'd forgive us for how quickly we are to dismiss your goodness in our lives. 
And Lord, I just, I just want to come before you now in a position of just gratitude. And we just want to come before you in this time. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness and help us to see and understand and have more discernment about who you are and how you are actually working in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can seek you. You say, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, Lord, that is our, that is our cry. That is our prayer. Father, we just want to use this time to seek you with all of our hearts. We want to find you. We don't want to get to the end and say, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, because we neglected you. We neglected your word. We neglected to be true disciples of yours. So, Father, I just pray that you would use this time to tease out any part of pretense in us, any part of us that has been led astray, any part of us that does not belong completely to you. Lord, that you would just make your message, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you gave us on Calvary, a father laying down his son. Lord, we just pray that these things would just become life to us, Lord. And that it would be more than just something in our head, but something we understand with our whole being, something we experience at a deep level. Father, I just ask that you would speak through me, Lord. <laughs> it is so overwhelming. Lord, I, I don't. I have nothing apart from you. And I'm so humbled that you would call me to, to be a part of the message that you want to share and to bless the lives of everybody that's listening. And Father, I just ask that, that I would decrease and that you would increase in this conversation. And I pray for everybody that's listening right now, Lord. You have everybody who's listening right now. You love them. You love them in a way that is so beyond our comprehension. But, Lord, I just pray that they would walk away from this conversation so sure of who they are in you, so sure of how much you love them, that any lies, any doubts that the enemy throws their way, Lord, would just be blown away, and all that would stand is you. Jesus, we love you, and we want to honor you with everything that we are. You are such a good king, such a good shepherd. Lord, we love being a part of your kingdom. And, and I just give this time to you, and, and I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Wow. Okay. My brain is going in a thousand different directions. I'm not going to lie. Keeping this on the uh, keeping this <laughs> single focus is is going to be hard because I've just, there's just been so much over the past couple of weeks, especially since listening to this Bible study. But some things that some things that occurred. I'm going to start before we jump into this. What does it mean to be born again? Topic. I want to tell you guys a story. I was talking with somebody who is not a Christian, but they grew up understanding Judaism. And so they had kind of this Jewish perspective and understanding of things. And this, this young lady was talking to me about the fact that she had a really strained relationship with her parents, but she really truly wanted to honor her parents and wanted to be faithful to the commandment, you know, to honor your mother and father. And so she was talking to me about the fact that she just really struggles to feel positive emotions towards her parents, but she wants to do the right thing. And so I asked her the simple question, well, what is love? Define love to me. And when you ask somebody who doesn't know Jesus that question, it's very hard to answer. You get all kinds of answers. And so if you're listening to this and you know Jesus, you probably will have a different answer than if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus. Because I can tell you right now that you don't have any clue what true love is until you know Jesus. And I don't mean that to sound condescending if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian. But, but the reason I wanted to, to start with this is to understand that the foundation of Christianity is God's love for us. The only way we can talk about what it means to be born again is to understand how deeply and profound God loves us and what love actually is. And so as I was talking to this young lady and trying to explain to her what love is, I pulled a scripture from a well-known Pharisee. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It does not keep any record of wrongs. It always trusts, always hopes, always 
perseveres. And so I started to describe to this young lady what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says about love. And I, well, let me tell you what a Pharisee told us about what love is. Love is not a feeling. It's nice when we love somebody and it's accompanied by positive feelings. All of us have had that at some point in time. If it's uh, you've had a good relationship with another human being and you love them, then sometimes there are really amazing positive feelings that come along with that. But that's not always the case. And so as I talked to this young lady and we talked through the situation, I told her, you can love your parents, but not necessarily feel a strong positive emotion with that. But when you're loving your parents because you love God, then you can have the strong positive emotion associated with your love of God. Now, some of you may be saying, you know, Tiana, it's interesting you talk about that because I've never felt a strong emotional connection to God. And, and I want to I say to you that it, there will come times in, in your walk with, as a Christian where your emotional connection to God is stronger than others. There have been times where I'm like, am I even alive? I feel nothing. And there are times when I'm so overwhelmed by my love for God and the emotional side of it that I am left speechless. You've heard me on this podcast time many times just trying to talk through tears. But I wanted to start this by recognizing, acknowledging the fact that sometimes when it comes to being a Christian, you just have to continue to do the things that God tells you to do and trust that some of the emotions, some of the feelings, some of that comes later. It's not always instant and it's not always immediate. And sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But we are not living this life based, based on how we feel. And what I reminded this young lady is that you can disagree with your feelings. I want to say that again. You can disagree with your feelings. A lot of people write me and ask me questions. You know, Tiana, how can I believe in a God who allows so many bad things to happen and this and this and this and this bad thing happened to me? And how can I believe that God is good when these bad things happen? And I, too, look at the world right now. And I, I mean, I follow a, um, a particular social media influencer, and I'm not going to mention it on here because it's, it's, I don't want this to be the focus of today's podcast, but it, it highlights some of the very horrible and horrific things that are happening in our society at an alarming pace. They're not isolated incidences. And I just cry out and I think to myself, these people need to be wiped off the planet. And I get so angry, but I don't have to agree with the way that I feel. Instead, I can say, you know what, Lord, but these are people you love. These are people that you died for. These are people you care about. I may think what they're doing is despicable and I have a righteous anger and I have a right to feel that righteous anger, but I don't have to agree with my sentiment that these people should just like die, <laughs> right? In other words, I don't have to always agree with my feelings. Part of being a mature adult is saying I can feel one way, but still act a different way. And I can tell my feelings that I acknowledge you, I acknowledge what you're saying, but I don't have to always agree with my feelings. and. Until we come to that place in our lives where we can say, I can feel one way, but do another thing, and God will eventually change that, it's going to be hard to understand what it means to be a Christian because the reality is, is we have to start off with the foundational understanding of the fact that every one of us is broken and hopeless without Jesus. Nobody wants to hear that. When you start off the gospel by telling people what's wrong with them, 
it it feels like you're, you're doing a bad sales job. But the problem, I think, and I've talked about this in other episodes, with why we are in the state of Christianity today is that we've we've not told the true story of the of human the human condition. We we're so in a hurry to get people to say the sinner's prayer that we kind of miss the whole why you need the sinner's prayer part and why the sinner's prayer is important. So I wanted to start off by saying, as we go through this conversation, you're going to feel a lot of emotions. It's emotions are real. God gave us emotions. We inherited part of our emotional or we inherited our emotions from God. And so they're not a bad thing, but sometimes our emotions feel things that aren't necessarily healthy and it's okay to disagree with your emotions. Uh, Let me give you an example. If you're a married individual, you should not allow lust for any human being to exist inside your heart, except for the love and adoration that you have for your spouse. And so there will be times when you feel attracted to another person. You do not have to agree with that emotion. You can say, you know what? Mm, No, I'm shutting that down right now. And this is why the Bible says, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, think about such things. You take each thought captive and you stop indulging in this lustful thing and you focus back on godly things and so until we understand that we can disagree with our emotions or disagree with a sentiment that we have we're going to struggle to understand the gospel message and so i just kind of wanted to kick off with that story because as i was talking with this young lady and i was explaining to her it's okay that you don't feel like loving your parents but continue to love them and do it because you love god and at some point the feelings will come because God will bless our faithfulness to him. And it won't always be a, a you know, march. And I'm, and I'm not saying that you will always feel love for your parents or you'll always feel positive emotion, but doing the right thing will become easier. And this is true with the Christian walk. There are going to be seasons and times, and this is what Psalm 23 is about, where we're going to feel these valleys of darkness, but we just have to keep stepping up and doing the right thing every day, trusting that that my emotions don't lead my conversation anymore. They don't lead my life anymore. I am now a part of a different kingdom. And so I just kind of wanted to, to talk about that a little bit before we jump into this, because I think it's an important, important thing to understand. We're, we're so often subjected to that emotional whim that we forget that we can disagree with the way that we feel. <laughs> I can disagree with the way that I feel. And, I can, and, in, and in fact, the longer that I've been a Christian, the more that I recognize a fleshly response to something and the Holy Spirit going, Tiana. <laughs> we don't think we don't do that anymore no 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 (laughs) so check yourself and that that is a great place to be so let's talk about what does it actually mean to be a christian i think another way of saying this is what is the end goal of christianity if i were to ask you that right now what is it like what is the end goal of christianity like what is this whole christianity thing about how would you answer that the Bible tells us that the end goal of Christianity, what it's all about, is restored relationship to God. We have this story of Adam and Eve walking through the garden, and it was paradise. If you if if you ever like think looked at an animal and thought they were like the cutest little thing, and you wanted to spend all day like petting petting the animals and like oh animals, that's because originally we lived in paradise and we frolicked with animals. <laughs> that was the design God created for humans. And he created us with a free will. You know, as I've said, people often say, you know, Tiana, how, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't love a God who allows so much bad to happen. And, and as I was praying about that, 
the Lord showed me something that was very profound. First of all, the whole foundation of Christianity, and I'm going to get into this as, as we get a little bit further into this, is faith in God. So we're trusting that God has perspective and insight that we don't have. And so that, you know, there's, there's a part of trust and it's not trust and empty, like, Ooh, I hope to the wind that no, it's trust in the solid foundation of, of the evidence that God has proven to us that he is good. It is because I see the goodness of God that I can have full faith in him. But God said something to me. He said, Tiana, I understand that the consequences of free will, the benefits outweigh the consequences. In other words, all of this pain and suffering that we see, all of these things that we are so frustrated by, because God has the full perspective, because he sits outside of time, because he is the one who created time and he sees the full perspective, he said to me, I understand that the benefits of your free will outweigh the consequences. Because I've seen it mapped out. There's a couple different authors who write about this. Um, Chuck Missler talks about this. Uh, Frank Turk talks about this. God had a few options when it came to how he was going to create the relationship with mankind. He could have made us robotic, no, no free will. And what that would have done is that would have completely distorted our ability to have a meaningful relationship with him. You know, there, you know, there's psychological phenomenons where if you abuse somebody long enough, they love you, but it's not a free will choice. It's a psychological response to the abuse that you've created in them. And so God could have just made us robots, but that would have completely negated our ability to create and to love freely. He could have taken evil out of the equation, and then we never would have really had a choice. And so these authors and these speakers kind of lay out the different options that God has. But I think simply enough for us to understand that God created us as free will creatures, free will humans, made in his image, so we could have a genuine relationship with him. And while there are certainly negative side effects to our free will, do I need to go down the list of what human beings have done with their free will? God understands that the benefits outweigh the consequences. And so that is the first foundational thing that we've got to understand is that humans have a free will and they were given that free will so they could freely choose to love God, freely choose to walk with him or freely choose to live in the, the kingdom of the enemy and do horrible things in the name of the enemy. Now, the thing that I just said is that we live in a very binary world. You either live in the kingdom of God and you live for God, or you live in the kingdom of Satan and you, and you don't live for him. This is where a lot of people have a rub with Christianity. They like to say, no, 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 no. I am not a bad person working for Satan. Just because I don't follow Jesus doesn't make me a bad person working for Satan, but that's not what the Bible says. So here, let me explain this fundamental principle to you. God gave Adam and Eve the garden. He gave them authority over this planet. When Adam and Eve chose to willfully sin against God, willfully, they knew what they were doing. Because what did, what did Satan say to Eve? If you eat this fruit, you will become like God, having a knowledge of good and evil. Because that was Satan's original rebellion, is that he didn't want to submit to God anymore. He wanted to be the ruler. And let me tell you something as a side note. We all, we all struggle with this. Every person who has made a decision to follow Jesus has had to come to, to the point where we say, I'm either going to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus or I'm going to continue to be the God of my own life. And we somehow think we're, we're giving something up to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you start to look at how complex the world is and how many things are being held together by spiritual forces behind the scenes and how delicate this entire thing is, you realize, I'm really glad God's in charge. Like, there's so much comfort in knowing God is actually in charge. 
And as a Christian, he says, you don't even have to worry about things because I'm going to take care of you. There is so much comfort in that. But for some reason, our sin nature fights against that. And so we have this story where Adam and Eve willfully said, no, you know what, God, stick it to you. I'm going to eat the fruit because I want your knowledge. And thus entered sin and thus entered the condition that every human being lives in. So the foundation of the gospel is this, that when mankind, and every one of us is guilty of this, made a decision to rebel against God, there was now a separation between us and him. But he loves us so much, and he so longs for free will fellowship with us, that he has gone to every possible length to restore that relationship to us. Coming to earth in the form of a human being, being living a sinless life and bearing our sin on the cross. That's the gist of the gospel message is that God wants to have a relationship with us. And this is not humans reaching up to God. This is God reaching down to humans. So the end goal of Christianity is restored relationship to God. God is our prize. We talk a lot about heaven, but what makes heaven heaven is God. Our real prize as Christians is God. And so this may puzzle some of you. Like, how can God be my prize? (laughs) And this is what I will say is one of the things that makes Christianity such a sweet and incredible journey is that the longer that you walk with God, the more that you learn to trust him, the more time that you spend with him, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend praising and worshiping him, the more that you begin to fall in love with him and the more that he becomes your prize. This is why I started off by saying your emotions don't drive your life anymore as a Christian because it takes a while before you begin to feel that love for God. And then all of a sudden you realize he is the prize. He is the reward because when you realize that we were made in the image of God by God for God, when that becomes a core fundamental understanding of who you are, Everything in your life changes because we, we are not complete without him. We never will be. All you have to do is look at the depravity of the world. Why do you think that sex, drugs, alcohol, fame, money, why do you think people chase after these things? Because there's a God-sized hole inside each and every one of us. And there's only one way for us to be completely filled, completely content, completely whole. Why can Christians who know God live with less, have less, have live seemingly awful lives and have more joy and more peace and more comfort and more reason to keep going than people who have it all. Why do we have the Anthony Bourdain's of the world or the, I'm trying to think of all the, um, all of the different movie stars and people who've, who've killed themselves. They seem to have everything, but they're, but they're, but they're miserable. And that is because none of us, none of us will ever reach a place of complete contentment and complete fulfillment apart from Jesus Christ, because we were made by God for God. So what is the end goal of Christianity? It is restored relationship to God. And I'm going to close with some scriptures that talk about that. So what is it? So what does it actually mean to be a Christian? Okay. If, okay. If, so if the whole thing was Adam and Eve sinned, there was a separation between man and God, and now we need to be restored. What does it actually mean to be a Christian? Well, let's, let's go to Jesus for this. I've talked a lot. Let's open the Bible now and let's stop listening to me talk. <laughs> and let's hear what Jesus has to say about this. Reading from the Gospel of John, we're going to read one of the most famous scriptures, but we're going to read it in the context of the entire passage because we've all heard the we've all heard John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever 
believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But where, but let's read the whole context of that passage. So reading from John chapter three, I'm reading from my new American standard 2020. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So this is a high ranking Jewish ruler. This man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, Oh, at night, by the way. Yeah, this is by the, if you want to watch the scene, the chosen has a great scene of this and it, they did a good job rendering, rendering this passage. This man came to Jesus tonight and said, and said to him, Rabbi, so he's acknowledging that Jesus is a teacher. We know that you have come from God as a teacher. So Nicodemus had enough insight to realize that there's something special about this crazy man named Jesus, Yeshua. But no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus responded and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is getting right to his heart. All right, Nicodemus, I know what you're asking. Let's talk about this. You've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is talking about the fact that every person alive who wants to be born again has to have a spiritual birth, not just a physical birth. We all have, if you're listening to this, you've had the spiritual, you're, the, the physical birth. Now Jesus is acknowledging that you need a spiritual birth. Verse six, that which has been born of the flesh is flesh. And that which has been born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus responded and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him and said, you are the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, and you people do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying, look, I come from above. <laughs> I am God. He's, he's, he's proclaiming his divinity here and that he is Messiah. Verse 14, and just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one do, who does not believe in him is judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and that people love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who hates, who does evil, hates the light and does not come into the light so that his deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. And I just finished reading John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. 
So what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, look, you've had a physical birth, but if you want to become a part of my kingdom, you have to have a spiritual birth. And so this is why Christians use the term born again. I am born again. I am born of the spirit. Interestingly enough, some of you may or may not know this, but the term grateful dead is referring to what? It's a rejection of the gospel. I'm grateful dead. I know that may have broken some of your hearts who are rock band stars, but um, part of the reason why I listen to very little, if any, secular music is it's Satan was, by the way, the, um, the Bible just talks about the fact that he was very musically talented in heaven before he rebelled. And so the vast majority of music is Satan's byproduct and Quite frankly, I have enough filtering Satan out of my life that I don't want to add it. Anything else like TV, music, all that other stuff. Ugh. I got enough that I'm cleaning out. I don't want any of that. And I'm not trying to be judging, but, you know, as we talk about what it means to be born again, you don't want the darkness in your life anymore. And this is what Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, God loves you enough that he sent me. I came, you know, he is God in, in human form. I'm going to bear your sin. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to take your consequences upon me. But you've got to step into the light and go through that cleansing process. And if you're not willing to step out of the kingdom of darkness and you're not willing to let me clean you and you're not willing to put your faith in me, then you're not going to be a part of my kingdom. You cannot be born again. So what it means to be a Christian is that we have restored relationship with God because we're born again because we're born of the spirit. And so we're going to talk about what that means. But first, before we talk about, like, how do we become born again? Let's talk about why we should want this. I mentioned this earlier, and I just want to summarize what I said before. You will never be satisfied. You will never be content. You will never be whole. You will never have true peace. You will never have true joy. You will always be looking for something to satisfy you, if it's pornography, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, if it's sex, if it's TV, you will always be looking to something to fill that void because we have a God-sized hole and there's only one thing that can satisfy us as human beings. So why should we want to become a Christian? Because quite frankly, you have not lived until you know Jesus. You have not loved until you know Jesus. You have no idea what this is all about. There's a blindness that you have until you know Jesus. Because when you are born of spirit, a whole nother part of who you are comes alive. Why should you want this? Because God loves you. God created you. God has a purpose for you. And he is the only one who can lead you into that. Now, he's not going to force himself on you. This is why bad things happen in the world, because God allows free will to play itself out. And he comes in and he intervenes in times and he calls us to pray and he calls us to step in. And then he has spiritual things that he does that we don't see that occur. And so the God does sometimes intervene, but he's not going to override your free will when it comes to inviting him into your life. And so he is going to he's saying, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you let me in, you will be saved, but I'm not going to force myself in. But if you let me in, I'm going to sit down and eat with you. And I'm going to take that sin out of your life. I'm going to take that judgment away from you. I'm going to take the depravity from you. And I'm going to give you true life. I'm going to give you my spirit and you will be born again. I can promise you this much. You don't have to take my word for it. I hope you do. But you will spend the rest of your life miserable and moving from one false high to the next until you find Jesus. 
I get people who argue with me nonstop on TikTok. Oh, but we know that this person, we know the Gospels weren't written by the four authors of the Gospels. And there are, there are scientists who say this. And there are skeptics who say this. And there are, listen, you can find somebody who will agree with anything. Welcome to the world in which we live. You can choose to reject God. You can come up with every excuse you want. And by the way, this applies to quote-unquote Christians. Every excuse for why we're going to continue in our sin. Every excuse for why we're going to only live a half-hearted Christian life. Every excuse for why we all have to choose. We, it, and it's not just a once decision. When you decide that you are going to become born again, then from that day on, when you become born again, now you've got to decide, are you going to live life by the flesh or are you going to live life by the spirit? And there are consequences to those decisions, eternal consequences to those decisions. So why should you want to become a Christian? Well, first of all, for what I just said, because there are eternal consequences to your decisions. But secondly, you are missing out on more than you can possibly imagine unless you become a true, born-again Spirit-filled Christian who lives your life for Jesus. You have abandoned the kingdom of the enemy, abandoned darkness, and you've stepped into the light. I'm not going to lie. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. You have to look yourself in the mirror, and you have to admit that there's a part of you that you don't like, and it's called that sin nature. And there are things about you that you don't like, and there are things about you that you wish weren't so. But there is only one way to be free from that, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he loves you far more than you can possibly imagine. The love that God has for you is beyond your comprehension. I, I want to say this again. This is why I said we don't have to agree with our feelings because our feelings cannot comprehend God's love for us. One of the things that the Gospels don't record for us is how brutally beaten Jesus was. Yeah, we know he was beaten and they took a, a stick and hit, hit him on the crown of thorns. Isaiah says that by the time that they were done, crucifying him he was going to be marred and disfigured beyond recognizable they tore jesus's beard out of his face did, did it has it ever occurred to any of you guys that nobody recognized him after the resurrection a big part of that was likely because his beard had been ripped out of his face he looked like a different person now obviously he was in a resurrected body and he could do things like walk through walls but his beard was ripped out of his face the amount of suffering that jesus endured and that god the father endured watching his son is incomprehensible to us because we cannot understand the depth of god's love for us he is the author and creator of love this is why this whole love is love it cracks me up what satan t does so often is he takes god's truth and then he creates a counterfeit for it love is love no love is not love god is love and all these other counterfeits are just that. They're counterfeits of God's love. They're not real love. Why does God stand in such opposition to sexual immorality? Because he understands it's not love. <laughs> he understands it's leading to death. It might feel good. It might seem good. But just because something seems a certain way or feels a certain way doesn't make it good. There is only one type of love that is good. And Jesus said it is the kind of love that lays down its life for somebody else. And I can assure you that if you are living in sexual immorality with somebody, you are not loving them. You might think you are, and you might be to the best of Satan's counterfeit ability, but you do not understand true love apart from the Lord. So why should we want this? Because we are broken, we are dying, we are in desperate need of God, and there is no sweeter thing that you could ever, ever understand than the love of the Father and the restoration to him.
So the end goal of Christianity is restored relationship to God. To, to have that, we have to be born again. And we w- should want to be born again because everything about who we are was designed for this. And everything else is a chasing after the wind. Everything else we as humans pursue is going to lead us nowhere. You get to decide with your free will what you're going to do. And if you've chosen to follow Jesus and you're listening to this, then I hope you understand that now everything in your life becomes about following Jesus and isn't a byproduct of that. And if you're still on the fence about whether or not you're going to follow Jesus, I just want you to understand that if you choose to reject him, God will honor that. But you will literally spend eternity regretting that decision. Because there is... You haven't understood love until you've understood the love of Jesus. Until you finally said, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And so that leads us to the next question. How do I become a Christian? What does, it, what does that actually look like? Well, the book of Romans kind of lays this out for us. We're going to skip to the good part. And then we're going to kind of backtrack and go through what I call the Romans road. Because I think it's, it's the, you know, Paul lays out, this exact story for us in the book of Romans or the, the narrative that I'm talking about here, which is, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I become a Christian? And then what does it, you know, what, what does it look like being a Christian once I am a Christian? So in Romans chapter 10, starting in, we'll start in verse 8. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So what Paul is saying is that to become born again... We say, you know what? Jesus is Lord. And I am now going to put my faith in him. And then we believe in our heart. This is not a feeling. This is a decision that says, at the core of my being, I am putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I am trusting him from this moment forward with my salvation and with my eternity. And I am going to follow him. There are some very serious ramifications to that. And Jesus talks about this. I'm not going to sell you a cheap gospel on this podcast because the gospel is not an easy message. The core of the message is you're rotten to the core and you're dying of a disease called sin. And you will spend eternity separated from God, which is, trust me, it's not going to be a party in hell. A lot of people are like, well, I'm going to be with my friends in hell. Hmm. Trust me. It is not going to be a party in hell. It ain't no dog pound. (laughs) It is a place where the fire does not go out. The weeping and gnashing of teeth is how Jesus describes it. Did you know Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven because he wanted people to understand the seriousness of the consequences of this? I've said it before. Hell was not created for humans. It was created for Satan and the fallen angels. But, but when God creates his new kingdom, only those who are holy and perfect get to go into his new kingdom. And the only people who can be holy and perfect are those who put their faith in Jesus. Because we can't. 
that's the other buff, you know, people have with Christianity is, well, you know, I'm not a bad person. So why should I have to pay with my sin or why should I have to pay for eternity? Why should I have to have this horrible suffering? I'm not a terrible person. I've done some bad things. Sure. And I, I, the greatest analogy I've heard of this is that's akin to, let's say a murderer murdered a young child, a five-year-old child. And the murderer stands before the judge and says, yeah, judge, I know I murdered that child, but everything else in my life has been pretty good. I mean, I paid my taxes on time. I obey traffic laws. I did this one thing. Can't I just get off the hook for this one thing? <laughs> the reality is, is while thankfully many of us, most of us who heard this, almost hopefully everybody who's heard this has never murdered somebody. Um, the Apostle Paul did, by the way. He murdered a lot of people. Murder is a forgivable sin. There is no sin that God cannot and will not forgive. I want to say that again. There is no sin that God cannot and will not forgive. All of us have been guilty of murder at some point in time because the Bible says if you've hated your brother, you've murdered him. All of us have been guilty of some sort of fornication and adultery because the Bible says if you've looked at another woman lustfully, you've committed adultery or fornication. God's standard is absolute perfection. And so none of us can stand before him and say, well, I want my good deeds to outweigh my bad deeds. And why do you want that kind of responsibility? Jesus says, just put your faith in me and I will make everything new in your life. So you can go about it and you can strive all the days of your life and wear yourself out and exhaust yourself. Because let me hear, let me tell you what right now, we can't be good enough. We don't have the willpower. Sin dominates us until Jesus sets us free from that. So part of why we want to be saved is because we get freedom. We get freedom from death. Jesus comes into our lives and by the power of the Holy Spirit, because we are born again, we begin to live a life by the Spirit, and we don't have to indulge these parts of us that are leading us to death. Because here's the biggest lie that Satan's going to tell you. You can do this one little thing, and it's not that big of a deal. And God says, yeah, that's actually a pretty big deal. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. And let me tell you why. Because God understands the full consequences of our decisions. We don't. One of the things that the Lord gave me a picture of one time to help me understand why it is such a good thing to put our faith in him and to not need to understand everything but be comfortable with his, with his authority and with his leading is I, he kind of had me imagine, so I'm going to walk you guys through this. Imagine that you've got, and I've, t I've told this before, so this is not going to be new to some of you who've listened to this podcast before. Imagine you've got a child who's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and you do the greatest thing any human being could ever do for another child, for another human being, and that is make them macaroni and cheese. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm a macaroni and cheese fan. I like box macaroni and cheese. I'm not going to lie. It is my, it is the reason I got a little bit extra padding on my hat, on my thighs right now. <laughs> okay, I love box macaroni and cheese. It is my guilty pleasure. So what do you do when you go to make back macaroni and cheese? You go fill up a pot of water and you say, okay, I'm going to make you something, but it's going to take a few minutes for it to cook. And you go fill up a pot of water and you got to boil it because nobody wants to take the packaged macaroni and cheese and put it on crunchy noodles. You got to boil those noodles and it takes some time. But you as the adult in the situation understand the perspective. You understand the process that has to occur for the macaroni and cheese to be served. But let's say that this child, while waiting for the noodles to boil, gets so frustrated and so angry that it's taking so long because they're so hungry that they walk up to that pot of boiling water and they go to reach it and grab it because they're just going to eat right now because they're hungry. And you run up and you're like, no, because you understand what's going to happen when that child reaches up and grabs that pot of boiling water. They just want food and they understand that there's food in that container. Why can't they have it? This is exactly what we do with sin. God says, there's a process I have to take you through. There's things I understand about sin that you don't because I created the universe and I put all this into motion. And you think you're just innocently reaching for a pot of boiling water and you're just going to get some food. But what you don't understand is you are about to 
bring pain and death and destruction into your life. I understand these things. So trust me, trust my perspective, and I will save you from these things. And I will give you the macaroni and cheese, but you just have to wait till it's finished cooking, kid. <laughs> this is what this is what it is to be a Christian is just to say, you know what, it's okay. I don't have to understand the whole process, but I know the one who does. And you rest in that and you rest in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. So how do we become Christians? We believe in our heart that Jesus is good, that he saved us, and that we can put our faith in him to save us, and that we don't have to do this ourselves. I don't know why, but there is this such a movement, and this is it's, it's just such a non-true, it's an unbiblical movement, to have a form of self-righteousness. And we do this either as non-Christians or as Christians all the time. This is, like, this is Satan's like wide, broad path that leads us away from God's ultimate plan is. And on one side, we have those that reject the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers and says, no, I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm going to let my good deeds speak for themselves. This is what, by the way, the whole Muslim faith is founded on, is that if they do enough good things, then Allah will forgive them at the end. Well, I hate to break into you, but Allah is not who you think he is, and he has no ability to forgive you or have mercy on you, and he has no intention of doing either of those. By the way, uh, if you want to know who Allah is, read Second Corinthians chapter 11, and that will tell you exactly who he is. But anyway, I digress. So you can go over here and you can do these good works, but I hate to break it to you, you're never going to be able to outweigh. Because your standard, your best, will still never meet God's standard, which is why he became that for you, so you don't have to do that. And then on the other side, we have these quote-unquote Christians who are so hell-bent on having to earn something and and just live this religious, disgusting life. And this is what Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. And he actually addresses this a good bit in the book of Romans. Like, stop trying to earn your righteousness. It's a free gift. Accept it. God owes you nothing, but he gives you everything. Just rest in that and accept that. But there's this legalistic side, and, and there's a couple cults that come out. Actually, every cult is founded in your works, I should say. And they all deny the deity of Jesus. But it's just astounding to me. Like, why would you want that kind of responsibility? Listen, you say, God, I want macaroni and cheese. He's going to cook it, deliver it, and put it on the plate for you. You don't have to get in the kitchen. Stay out of the kitchen. Let God be in the kitchen. He's God. <laughs> it's a beautiful message, and it's a simple message when we understand it at its core. So that's what Paul's saying in Romans is that you just have to just accept the free gift of salvation. And we're going to go through that in a little bit more detail. But first I want to read to you, though, that there is a part of this that is hard. And I don't want to sell you a cheap, fake gospel. Because the gospel message is we're all rotten and we're dying. And we have no hope apart from Jesus. But in Jesus, we have complete hope. But there's a cost. You cannot continue to live your life the way you've been living it and follow Jesus. He makes this painfully clear. So we're going to read one of the many times that Jesus addresses this. Starting in Luke chapter 14, in verse 25, he says, Now a large crowd were going along with him, and he turned to them and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, Mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, some of you are like, wait, 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 what? Did Jesus just say we had to hate all these people to, to follow him? <laughs> what he's saying is not that you have to hate them. In fact, that's the exact opposite. You have to love them. Love is a commandment that Jesus gives us, and it's part of the requirement of being his disciple. What he's saying is, if, my, if your love for me does not supersede your love for everybody else in your life to the point where you choose me above them, then you cannot be my disciple. 
One of the saddest conversations I've ever had was a woman who chose to follow Jesus and give her life to him. And her kids really started pushing back against her faith. And she called me and she said, I love my kids. Do I have to choose Jesus over my kids? And I said, absolutely you do. But if you love your kids, you will choose Jesus over your kids because the only hope that your children have is in Jesus. And the only way that they will see Jesus is if you choose to love him more than them, and then they might actually have a chance. But if you think that you can do something good for your children apart from Jesus, you are sadly mistaken. And this was such a sticking point to her that she chose to walk away and not follow Jesus anymore. She chose her children over Jesus, but what she didn't realize is that she didn't choose her children over Jesus. She chose Satan's lies over her family versus the hope that they could have had if they would have seen a mother who loved Jesus more than anything else. So Jesus is saying, you have to choose me above all. You have to, I have to be everything in your life if you're going to follow me, if you're going to take my free gift of salvation. He says, verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And what he means by that is whoever has not decided that they're going to die to themselves, they're going to die to this flesh, cannot be my disciple. If you are going to be born again, if you are going to be, be given birth through God's spirit and filled with God's spirit, then you have to die to your flesh. And we're going to talk about what that means in more detail in just a minute. For whichever one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who are watching it will begin to ridicule him, saying this person began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to face the one coming against him with 20,000? Otherwise, while the, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and requests terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but even if salt has become tasteless, uh, sorry, therefore salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or manure pile, so it is thrown out. The one who has ear, let him hear. Jesus says it this way. He says it another way in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, anybody who puts their hands to the plow and looks back is not worthy of my kingdom. There is a cost in following Jesus. You have to decide that you are going to extricate yourself from the kingdom of darkness. You're going to die to the flesh, and you are now going to put yourself in the kingdom of light, into, into Jesus' kingdom, and you're going to follow him the rest of your life. You're not going to belong to this world anymore. If you're a Christian and you feel at home in this world, you need to, to get down and start praying because I can tell you something that when you truly understand what it means to be born again and that you have heavenly citizenship and you are not storing up for yourself treasures on earth, but you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. This is what Jesus is saying does not give up all his possessions because what Jesus is saying is you're going to stop worrying about what's happening here on earth and you're going to start worrying about eternal things. You're going to start creating for yourself treasures in a world you can't see and you don't always understand it, but you're going to put your faith in me. And as a result, you're going to have eternal treasures. This sounds crazy. And it is crazy. You know why it's crazy? Because it's the exact opposite of how the rest of the world lives. Jesus says, if you can't lay everything down for me to follow me, then you're not fit for my kingdom. This is a hard word. But I'm telling you this, that what you get in return I've said this parable many, many times. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure buried in a field. He sold everything he had and bought that field. Because what Jesus teaches us 
is that if you are willing to love him more than anything else, if you are willing to lay down your life and follow him, if you are willing to store for yourself treasures in heaven, what you are getting in return is incomprehensibly amazing. Going back to what I started with, our end goal is God. What we get in the Lord versus what we give up here on earth is so incomprehensible. It is, but it is 110% worth whatever it costs us. There is a cost to following Jesus, and it requires us dying to ourselves, and it requires us deciding that we are now going to live for him. This is the true gospel message. It is a hard message. It is not an easy message to take and to understand. Well, I should say understand, yes, but to actually take and ingest and mean it. That's why it's not just a, I believe that Jesus died from that. No, no, no. I believe in my heart. I am I'm giving myself over to his kingdom. That's what it means. I profess Jesus as Lord. He is now my king. I am now going to follow him. Those words come out of my mouth. And in the core of my being, I am now his. I have counted the cost. I'm going to die to myself from this moment on. And I'm going to learn to live by the spirit. And that is the last thing. When you've decided that you were going to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you were going to follow him, you decide that you counted the cost, and now you say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be born again. I want to be born of your spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. And now I want to spend the rest of my life living by the spirit. So Paul does a great job laying this out for us in the book of Romans. And I wanted to give this kind of summary to you. This is my challenge to you. Sit down and read Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 8. Sit down at one time and just read through this passage and study Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 8. Because here is this high-level summary of how God lays out his plan for mankind and what it means to be a Christian. And Paul, this is what Romans 1 through 8 goes, goes through in detail. I am going at a very high level, so I'm missing so many great, great passages of Scripture when I go through this at such a high level. But this is what Paul lays out. Chapter 1, we're all sinners, and the wrath of God is being poured out against an unbelieving world. In chapter 2, God lays out for us how much he loves us and that his kindness is what leads us to the truth, what leads us to repentance. Verse 3, Paul makes it painfully clear, all of us are guilty of sin. It is a, uh, there is no one that is righteous, not one person. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. How many of us have ever said things we regret later? Their tongues, they keep deceiving. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shred blood. Destruction and misery is in their paths. I mean, Paul just lays out the human condition for us very clearly in chapter 3. In chapters 4 and 5, he talks about the fact that it's, a, it's faith. Faith is the only way we are saved. Trusting in Jesus. It's amazing to me how many people profess to trust in Jesus for their eternity, but they don't trust in him for their day-to-day -day life. If you can trust Jesus for your eternity, you can trust him for the food on your table and the clothes on your body. You can trust him in your day-to-day -day life. It is truly just believing that Jesus will save you, that he is the good shepherd. The gift is not like the offense. It's what 4 and 5 cover. Chapter 6 and 7 talk about the fact that we have got to die to our flesh. We have got to die to sin. And then the chapter that this entire podcast is named after is chapter 8. We are more than conquerors because of what Jesus did for us. 
And Jesus, and he just lays, Paul just lays this out in Romans chapter eight. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, that born again that Jesus talked about that we read from John chapter three, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells within you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's what Jesus said. You've got to be born again. You've got to have Jesus' spirit in you. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. I could go on. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. In verse 37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So please take some time to read Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 8 and just understand that the beautiful gospel message that Jesus is laying out for us. So I want to summarize everything that I've just said. I've said a lot of things in this past. I don't know how long I've been on here recording. The gospel message is this. God loves us. He created us with a free will so we could have genuine fellowship with him. But we sinned. All of us have. And we have now caused a separation between us and God. But he has offered us life to become born again. And to become born again, we must decide that we are going to follow Jesus. We must count the cost and recognize that we are no longer going to be a part of the kingdom of this world. It's not going to make sense. We're not going to be liked. We're going to not fit in. We're not going to be comfortable here anymore. But we are giving up, we are forfeiting the temporary pleasures of earth for eternal treasure that we find in Jesus. And that ultimately, the prize that we get at the end is the king. There is no hope. There is no life. There is no joy. There is no peace. You can have temporary things. You can have temporary treasures. You will find yourself chasing after the wind the rest of your eternity, the rest of your life on earth, and all of eternity. But you will never find what you're looking for outside of Jesus because he is everything. God loves you incomprehensibly. You cannot imagine how much God loves you. And he loves you so much that he made a way for you to spend eternity with him. By coming on this earth. By loving people unconditionally. Doing miracles, but most importantly, by laying down his life. So that we could be restored to him. He became the one that bore our punishment. He took upon him what we deserved. And he gives us a free gift of salvation if we decide that we're going to follow him. And if we decide that we're going to follow him, then we ask him to fill us with his spirit. We ask him to become born again. We confess with our mouths and we believe in our heart. We know that Jesus is going to say that Jesus saves us. And then we spend the rest of our lives living by the spirit. And the Bible teaches us what that looks like. But at the end of the day, this is all about having restored relationship with our creator. God is our price. And I want to close with Psalm 16 because the psalmist understood this. This is a psalm of David, and this is both a messianic psalm. It, it speaks about Jesus, but it's also a psalm that we who are Christians should understand at the core of our being. And as we learn to no longer be driven by our feelings and our flesh and our emotions, but instead to be led by God's spirit. When our emotions finally get in line with God's spirit versus our flesh, we will feel these things at a deep level. But until then, 
until while we are learning to die to our flesh and live by the Spirit. This may seem foreign, but I promise you there will come a time when this resonates deep with who you are. And if you have not gotten to this place in your relationship with the Lord, we're going to, talk, we're going to stop and we're going to pray at the end of this, because I want every one of you who's listening to this to know, to have the same desire for God, and there will be something that changes inside of you. He becomes everything to you, and you can't imagine life without him, and you just wonder why you went so long without this. It's just... It's, it's, it's impossible to describe. But I can tell you this, that God is good. God is really good. And yeah, there are a lot of things that don't make sense, but we don't have to understand everything because we know the one who does. And we can say, Lord, I want some macaroni and cheese. And he's going to say, you know, kid, sit down. And in time, you'll be ready. But until then, you've just got to trust me through this process. And it's not going to make sense. And it's not always going to be easy. But if you keep following me day after day, and you put your trust in my son, there's going to come a day when you're going to look back and there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. And we will finally experience what we're going to read about in Psalm 16. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. I've read to you guys before from Psalm 73. My favorite verse in the Bible, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. How do you know you're born again? Because that is now the way you think. I have nothing good besides you. Verse 3, As for the saints who are on earth, They are the majestic ones. All my delight is in them. The pains of those who have acquired another God will be multiplied. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. Verse 5. And by the way, there's a couple people talking, so I should should clarify. Verses 1 through 2 are David talking. Protect me, God. I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good beside you. Verse 3 is the Lord speaking. As for the saints who are on earth, they are the majestic ones. All my delight is in them. The pains of those who have acquired another God will be multiplied. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. Now David goes back here, starting in verse 5. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The measuring lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, my inheritance is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has advised me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. Listen to this, verse 8. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. This is what it means to be a Christian, my friends. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. This is the messianic scripture, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One 
to undergo decay. Jesus was not going to undergo decay. So this is a messianic prophecy. In verse 11, you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. You will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Some of you have listened to this, and I hope most of you said yes, amen, and none of this was new to you. Some of you may feel a bit discouraged right now because you've never understood this kind of relationship with the Lord. And some of you may not be Christians at all, and you think, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard, or you're sitting here going, I've never heard the gospel talked about like this. I didn't understand that this is what it was. Maybe you're contemplating giving your life to Jesus. Here's what I want to talk to you guys about. I can stand behind this microphone and will live out the rest of my days following Jesus. Not because I'm confident in my ability to follow Jesus, but because one of the prayers that I pray every day is, Lord, please do not let me stray from you. I trust in Jesus as the good shepherd to get me to the finish line. My hope is in him. My trust is in him. I've abandoned any concept that I can do anything good for God, but I trust in him. If you are struggling to understand what it means to follow Jesus, the first thing I will say is ask him to teach you. Ask him to teach you what it means to follow him. Cry out daily and ask him, Lord, don't let me leave you. Keep me tucked in the hem of your robe. Keep me like a lamb at your feet. Teach me what it means to follow you. Because Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. And he's not talking about getting money. He's talking about the things that really matter. The Jews were so angry and rejected Jesus as Messiah because they wanted freedom from Rome. But God understood what they needed was not freedom from Rome. They needed freedom from sin. Until we understand how desperately we need a savior in our internal being. We're never going to appreciate who Jesus is and what he really did for us. We need freedom because we are in bondage until Jesus sets us free from sin. We live a life from one death to the next, a slave to our whims, a slave to our emotions, a slave to this world, a slave to the things that drive us, our passions and our desires. And if you want freedom, you want hope, and you want life, and you lay yourself at the feet of the good shepherd. You die to yourself, you put your faith in him, and you follow him by the power of the Holy Spirit for the remainder of your days. And then you let your light shine before all mankind. So you take this message that you heard today, and you share it with anybody who will listen in every opportunity that God gives you. And you live your life unashamed for Jesus not of this world. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sit outside of time. You created all of this. You see all of this. You see the beginning and the end. It is so wonderful to just rest in the fact that you are God. You got this. The only thing we have to do is sit as children at your feet and follow you every day. And Father, that is the cry of our heart. Lord, we don't want to accept anything other than the true gift of salvation. We want to be born again, born of the Spirit, and live by the Spirit. Jesus, we've counted the cost. 
the cost of not following you is far greater than the cost of laying down everything to follow you. Jesus, just help us. You are the good shepherd. Shepherd us, Father, through the narrow gate, on the narrow road. We place our trust in you because we cannot do this ourselves. We will spend the rest of our lives exhausting ourselves trying to do this apart from you, but Lord, instead we trust in you. We confess right now that you are the Lord, and we believe in our heart that you died and rose again, and we trust you to save us, and we trust in your righteousness. And so, Father, we, like Abraham, by faith we will live our lives, faith in you, faith in your goodness, understanding that your goodness abounds around us always. Father, use us. May we be good stewards of this time we have left. Use us, Lord. Write our names in your Lamb's Book of Life and help us to just be good and faithful stewards and servants of yours. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that we can ask for these bold things. We can ask for the salvation of those that we love around us. We can ask for our own salvation because you love us. And you love to give good things to us. And what greater thing can we ask for than eternity with you? May we just have hearts like David that long for you. May we understand what it means to have you as our treasure. Ah, teach us to die to ourselves and live by the Spirit. We love you and we thank you. You are so good. And we pray this in the precious, precious name of Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the third Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.